can turn the world on with her smile Who can take a nothing day And suddenly make it all seem worthwhile Well, it's you, girl, and you should know it With each glance and every little movement you show it Love is all around, no need to waste it You can have the time, why don't you take it Welcome to After All, the cross-generational podcast dedicated to discovering and rediscovering the social, political, and personal impact of The Mary Tyler Moore Show. I'm one of your hosts, Ariel Fisher. And I'm Sylvia McCon. Welcome to the show, guys. Another, another week, another episode of Season 2. This week, we are looking at Episode 5. A girl's best mother is not her friend. Hmm. I beg to differ. Case Aww. in point, our very show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I love <laughs> you too, dear. I love you too. So this week's episode is, is actually pretty apt. I love, well, one, I love any episode that has Ida. We, Ida, we, is, Ida is something else. Yeah. So we, I guess I should probably let you folks know what this week's episode is about. So Ida Morgenstern, Rhoda's mother, comes back to, comes to visit Rhoda and drives her crazy. Because what would their relationship be like without that? But along the way, you know, Ida is kind of feeling a little neglected. She wants to be Ida. She wants to be Rhoda's friend as well as her mother because she sees how Mary talks to her mother and they're very friendly and how Phyllis interacts with Bess. Bess, thank you. And is and they have matching outfits and it's cute cutesy. Oh, my God. It's, it's like it's insane. Did you ever want to dress me up in a matching outfit? A mini me? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think you were too independent. <laughs> I'm surprised there wasn't the... like an immediate, no, no, why would I want to do that to you? <laughs> no, well, but it would never have happened because right off the bat, you you had fashion sense. Mm-hmm. You know, as soon as you got out of diapers, it was like, yeah, okay, I'm good now. But it I... wasn't exactly, I wouldn't exactly call it fashion sense. It was It was your <laughs> version of fashion sense. So, you know. Whatever. It counts. So would I wear something pink and polka dotted with bows and, and you know, 47 barrettes in my hair? I don't think so. <laughs> but you look pretty cute in it. And I did, I, I didn't, I didn't make a fuss about it. So. Pulling it off. You, you, you can pull anything off. I don't, well, when I was a child, maybe. When I was in my teens and early 20s, probably. Now that I'm in my 30s, I don't know. Or maybe that's just my neuroticism talking. You know what? Anything goes. I'm I I'm now 62 and I'm like I can wear whatever the hell I want, <laughs> and I can look in whatever I don't have to have a style. I can just on the fly say this is what I feel like today. Do you do you do that now? Like do you feel like you just kind of throw caution to the wind? Hey, this looks like it would be fun to wear. I'm gonna wear that. I still I I'm still sort of a classic minimalist at heart. Yeah. So that's that's what I gravitate to. So yes and no. Yeah. But I tend to be I'm no longer working. Yeah. I no longer have to fit a particular um look to go with the demographic to go with the professional uh this is the professional woman going to work look. Exactly. Right. So, so instead, you have so a few could, more liberties that you can take. I could wear, I could live in athleisure my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> Would you, if you were given the option? 
I do have the option. But and do you take it on a daily basis? Uh, ish. Mm. You know, like, I walk dog. I wear... You wear athleisure. I wear athleisure. I go grocery Is that an shopping. official term? Apparently so. Seriously? Uh, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> Yeah, go look it up. It is it is a thing, but we're 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 getting uh, we're di- we're digressing we're, we're digressing because into fashion because and hey, there's more to it. What do mother daughter friends do but digress into, into fashion? fashion? We could talk about we could talk about eyebrows. We could talk about eyebrows. <laughs> you just got your eyebrows done. I did, and they're did. fabulous. So I love them. You bit the bullet and got you got your yes. eyebrows did. You got yes, microbladed. microbladed. Yeah, yeah, which they're... you have wanted to do for some time. Well, I didn't know this thing existed until relatively recently, and I, then I went, "Oh my God, that's exactly what I need." Because as a as a misguided teenager in the seventies, at the time at the time of uh, of the Mary Tyler Moore show, or even earlier, I plucked because I had an unabrow. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, so I plucked and I overplucked, and then they didn't grow back. And the fashion at the time of skinny eyebrows went out of fashion. Mm-hmm. And then many of my contemporaries kind of went, now what? Yeah, now we're screwed. Now we're screwed. And then Brooke Shields came into <laughs> fashion, and we went, now we're really screwed. <laughs> so we can't emulate her. So no. now, and So now I have perfectly... Uh, done very meticulously done i'm looking at your eyebrows going man i wish mine were that nice although mine have been gotten no, yours better are, yours are good i it's it's taken a lot of time of fighting the urge to, to just over-pluck. to overpluck don't overpluck well because i started over i remember the first time my eyebrows were plucked it was by kayla really yes she did oh, them for wow. me and it was it was like life changing, but we were young and stupid, and that was when you know thin eyebrows. Right. So she she plucked them really thin, and then I plucked them even thinner, and then they got like super thin at one point, and it was just ridiculous. But then they became a little bit difficult to grow in. They've still grown back, mm-hmm. and I've managed to shape them with the help of you know Anastasia Beverly Hills. She's fab. She's fabulous, and her stencils are a lifesaver. But yeah, I you know all that jazz and now with some work and some pomade they're able to look like normal eyebrows now you never have to work on them again well this is true until you have to get them touched up right which is what like four years uh no apparently once a year you go and you get a touch up okay that's right well they look fabulous anyways but thank you thank you we digress we digress but speaking of mother-daughter relationships and you know the fact that you weren't you weren't i'm thinking of eyebrows plucking as teenagers Okay. And how you, you know, overplucked when you were a teenager. Yes. Your mother didn't tell you that that was a mistake, did she? And like if friendships did, and relationships if, with mothers. As a segue. did, yes. <laughs> if she did, I don't remember because I also have an older sister. So anything that she did. You did. I had to do because cause she was my big sister and she was perfect. She still is. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so if she had skinny eyebrows, I had to have skinny eyebrows too. Right. So that's how that came about. And. Our mother, my mother was a lovely, wonderful, kind woman. Um, One of the warmest, most maternal figures I think I've ever known. Yes, yes. Not a, not a bad bone in her body. No. Um, I think I was a little too rebellious for her comfort level. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we had this kind of a relationship like what you and I have. Mm -hmm. So I kind of withheld information 
that about things that she would kind of freak out about. Okay. I think as most kids do to to some degree or other mm-hmm. to a to a greater or lesser degree. Mm-hmm. So um, I had a good relationship, but I didn't share a lot of intimate details of my life. So you didn't have so you didn't have a, a relationship with Abuelita that say Mary had with has with her mother, or that Phyllis has with her daughter, or that even Rhoda has with Ida. N- no. Like none of those. Probably the closest is probably Ida. No, no, because Ida's very manipulative. Oh well, yes. And Abuelita that that was aside, never that. yes. No, I think it's more, and we don't know very much about Mary's relationship with her mom. Mm-hmm. It's pleasant. It's kind. It's it's friendly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the little snippets that we hear are, they seem very unconflicted. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that that's probably closer to what I had with my mother. It was unconflicted. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, there were no big dark secrets. There was no manipulation. There wasn't power struggle. There wasn't jealousy. There wasn't any of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say that's probably the closest. It certainly was not Ida. So we, we should probably tell our listeners about the relationship between Ida and Rhoda, well, uh, because that's yeah. really conflicted. Well, and that's a large part of the focus of the episode. Yes. And as as you know, because we have discussed Ida previously, we've we met have. Ida before yes, in we season have. one. Uh, Ida comes to visit Rhoda and is, I, I don't remember the name of the episode. I wish I could off the top of my head, but I don't. But... Um, Ida comes to visit and comes to stay with Rhoda, and Mary doesn't really understand why she drives Rhoda so insane. Right. And so we get kind of the groundwork of, you know, the Jewish manipulation of mothers, of Jewish mothers. The, you know, and how... The mothers manipulating the daughters, the daughters manipulating the mothers. Yes. Yes. And the guilt. Yes. And and all of that fun stuff that, that happens. Um, which really, I mean, we don't have. No, we don't. As a Jewish mother-daughter dynamic duo. No, no we don't. No, we don't. We don't have manipulation. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of our immediate relatives mm-hmm. within their mother-daughter relationship. On our side of the family. On our side of the family, <laughs> definitely. And I don't see that either. No. Like, I certainly don't see it with Dora and Tammy, for example. No, not, not at, at all. all. Not at all. No. And I don't um, see it even, like, mother-son. I don't see it with Claudia and Simon. No. Even, I don't no. think either of them know how to be manipulative. No. It's not, it's not part of the way we were brought up to no. be manipulative and to, and to pull strings to get people to do what we want mm-hmm. or to pay attention to us or, mm-hmm. you know, those kinds of things. Like, yeah. it's just, that's not who we are. Mm-hmm. So... Good so, for us. Yeah. High five. Yeah. We be fabulous. <laughs> we be fabulous. <laughs> so uh, in this episode, we see a little bit more of Rhoda and Ida's relationship. And we can see a bit more of how how Ida, there's, I think there's an element of insecurity there. Yes. I think now that Rhoda is a certain age, she feels like she's losing her daughter. And she feels like she doesn't have the same connection and she's not sure how to maintain that or even regain it. Do you see that? I do. And I see that, I mean, Rhoda deliberately left New York and you get the impression that she left New York to get away from her manipulative mother. We don't know anything about her father Mm -hmm. other than nobody really kind of pays attention to him. Yeah, he kind of just seems to be there. Yeah, he's an also-ran. Um... And we hear, and today in the episode, we hear that there's a brother and a sister. Yes. And that they also don't get along with the mother. Which I think when it came time to 
actually get the spinoff when Rhoda got her own show. Oh, yeah. It went down to Just a Sister. Oh, okay. So I think because okay. they hadn't really fleshed out her character yet. But okay. but at, at this point in, in the gestation of the character, we she has siblings. She has two siblings yeah. who also don't get along with the mother. Yeah. But I think, too, you know, if you look at it from the point of view of of motherhood and women's roles, mm-hmm. when you have adult children and you don't have a job and you don't have outside interests, then you've lost this really big part of your identity as a mother. Mm-hmm. And if the identity of Ida with respect to her relationship with Rhoda was conflicted to start with because of the power mm-hmm. struggle, now that Rhoda is an adult and is in another city, it's a real struggle for Ida. So I can I can totally see that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that's not that like you've never found yourself in that position with me. Yeah. But you always had like you you I was a career woman. Well, you were, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But so you were still a very active mother while being a career woman. And even now in retirement are active in a million different things. You have the Thornhill Life, you have Thornhill Lifelong Learning, the program that you helped fund, found, sorry, and start to, oops, I'm dropping things to run, you know, really informative and, and, and helpful lectures for people of all walks of life. You paint, you curl, you curl. have book club, you book club. volunteer. Yeah. You're I, a mensch. I'm a mensch. I do stuff. You do you do, you do one or two things, just I a couple stuff. of things. And, yeah. you know, a podcast, no big deal. Podcast is a very big deal. <laughs> but I'm just the hanger on. You're the brains behind the operation. Um, but... Yeah, no, I I don't know that I ever felt that sense of my identity is wholly and totally tied into being a mother. As much as I love my children and I want nothing but the best for them and I want to influence you in every positive way. Thank you. Um, you're human beings. You are fully formed human beings. Mm-hmm. And you may need me and I may need you, but I don't think it's 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 not a toxic dependent relationship in any way. Not even Whereas with Ida and Rhoda, it kind of is. It kind of is, but it seems to me that it's... It comes from a good place. It does. But it gets gets conflicted. I feel like they're still kind of in the throes of transition. Yes. Like, Ida hasn't quite let go of the idea that her daughter is no longer... A, a young woman or a little girl that she is a woman she has a life she has all these things she is but she, she is independent has, except the thing that Ida values the most mm. she doesn't have a husband mm. a husband and a family yeah yes but at the same time a Jewish husband <laughs> and that's that's fun I really like that for the first time they, they bring out the J word they they bring out the J word and and they and they break out the Manischewitz. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> hilarious. <laughs> yes. Don't you like your wine? It's a little sweet. I'll but, live for dessert. Uh, but um, so I, I I loved that. But they do bring that up, which I I also wanted to talk about was this yes. idea of dating within the faith. It's kind of a throwaway little moment, but for those who are not aware. For many in the Jewish faith, for their children to marry within the Jewish faith is very important. Absolutely. Um, especially, it, I think it's 
for you know decades and centuries even that was always kind of a thing you know jews being you know we're persecuted and things you know we have to keep the bloodline going but it's also especially after the holocaust that became a very prominent discussion yes and i remember even when uh when my cousin dennis wanted to get married and there was a little bit of backlash from his his grandmother, his, his grandmother on the other side, mm-hmm, who was a Holocaust survivor, who had been at Auschwitz, who had met right. Dr. Mengele, and was not receptive to the idea of him marrying outside of the faith. She she eventually kind of came around to it and was understanding, but it was very difficult. Mm-hmm. That was never something that was imparted onto Derek and I, which I suppose is probably a good thing, considering otherwise the hypocritical nature of both of our parents who remarried Irish Catholics. <laughs> so, but that uh, was never. Yeah, d- no, d- it was never an issue. No, like was it that was ever... an issue? It was an issue from my parents to me that earlier on, like when, like before Dad, or when you and Dad got divorced, or when you wanted to marry Carrie. No, when when I married your father. Okay. Yeah, like marrying within the faith was a big deal then. And I probably could have rebelled, and I don't think that I would have been written off or ostracized, but I think it would have hurt my parents, mm-hmm. and I was too much of a good girl to to do that to them, not deliberately, but even as a, you know, you kind of know in the back of your mind that don't date that guy because no good can come of it, even though you like him. Yeah. But you're going to have to break up with him because your parents are not going to accept him. Right. So so that that was kind of in the background. And know? that's not something that ever you you wouldn't care if either Derek or I married Jewish people. Absolutely not. Because for the most part, w- would you consider yourself agnostic or an atheist? Or somewhere in between. How about a reluctant atheist? A reluctant atheist. I like that. Is that good? Yeah, that works. Yeah, yeah. That works. I, I, I think that's as, that's as close to my feelings as... I would love to believe in something greater than our natural world. Mm-hmm. And I would love the idea that we come back or we go to a greater realm and... Like, all those things are lovely to think about, Mm -hmm. but the rational side of my brain says it's unlikely that it's true. Yeah. There's no evidence to support that. Mm -hmm. So, hence the reluctant atheist. Hence the reluctant atheist. Yes. And as such, hence the... Hence not holding religion on such a high pedestal that you would place that imp- that significance on your children to marry within no. the faith no not at all yeah. i i would actually be concerned if you or your brother were in a relationship with anyone who was very religious of any religion okay what if they were i mean well let's look at for instance i mean because i always <laughs> none of us are with partners within the faith correct Except Tammy. Correct. She is the only one who married a Jew. That's true. And and they, they're observant, but they're not very They're, they're pretty, pretty casual about all their observances. And I think, but like, I think Jason has really relaxed oh yeah, about that. Since, you know, not being at home. Yeah. But he, you know, 
he knows the passages, not by heart, but like he, he was brought up in a in a very traditional yeah home. So he can, and that always struck me as, uh, for whatever reason, I was always very aware of of your ignorance in that matter. A my ignorance in that matter, and Jason's Jewishness. Yes, and the absence of that in my partners pretty yes. much throughout my entire life. Yes. I think I've maybe dated three Jews okay. in my entire life, which is kind of, which feels even strange to point out, but that's mm. never been something I've never felt a pressure to marry within the faith. And no. I think to some extent, by virtue of the way you and dad raised us to be inclusive, to yes. see the world as this wonderful place to meet people and learn things and learn about culture and different cultures. And you don't, I don't, I don't think any of us um, are attracted to people, to humans because of their religion, because of their religion. No, or we don't self segregate because of religion. Uh, well, we don't self-segregate we don't. because of like, right, us I mean. specifically. I, I'm speaking about us specifically. Yeah. I'm not speaking about the world out there. No, many, many people do. Because oh, yeah. that's obviously not, not the oh, case. Yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly when I was younger, it was a bigger deal. By the time I, I married Carrie or by the time I started dating Carrie, um, my parents were very happy. I think they were just very happy that, oh my God, good. She's a nice she's Jewish a, boy. Well, no, with I'm talking about with Carrie, not with oh, uh, okay. not with your dad. Um, it was like good. Now she's got a she's got a man in her life. She's taken care of. Good enough. Don't oh, okay. don't care. And he's a doctor. And he's a doctor. So it's he might not be Jewish, but he's a but doctor. He's a doctor. So that that trumps religion. Meeting, meeting you halfway. That's it. Meeting you halfway. Oh, good. I hate that term now. What something trumps something. Oh, I know. It's horrible, isn't it's, it? It's horrible. Can we use... And yet it's a valid it's word. It's a totally valid word, but now it's... from it's, Bridge. It's... What? It's from Bridge. Is it's it? From, it's from Cards. Is that the genesis of the term? Yes. Really? Yes. It's got nothing How old to, is the game of Bridge? Older than, than Donald Trump, for sure. Well, many things are older than Donald Trump. But... Yes. I di- but I digress in a direction I don't want to. Okay, so being friends with your mother. Yes. We really digress. We really digress. Early on. But this is okay, because okay. that's kind of, I think, at the heart of the whole thing, right? Yes. Is this idea that yes. that Ida really wants to... She doesn't want to... F- Ida desperately wants a friendship with her daughter because of how appealing it looks based on Phyllis and Bess, right. which is a strange relationship in and of itself. It seems right. to be a very, a very kind of natural development to work for them at least in this episode yes it does there are some episodes where it doesn't and there are growing pains but it does seem that they've kind of nailed down how they interact and she sees the way mary talks friend friendlily to her mother and all of that but it seems like she sees this and she so desperately wants that with rhoda that she's almost willing to try to fabricate it yes and that's what kind of literally put fabric on it literally when they're wearing matching dresses and it's ridiculous but it's adorable and hilarious and it's i i dig the dress actually on both of them it's pretty cute admittedly but that's not something like we're digressing a lot in this episode but that's kind of at the crux of the point right is that that kind of a naturalistic mother-daughter friendship it develops over time and it it becomes something it has to develop organically Mm -hmm. i mean not all mothers and not all daughters are the same. And even though the relationship, 
the mother-daughter relationship is the stuff of legend, mm-hmm. um, we are unique individuals. So personalities clash uh, or, or mesh really well. Yeah. And or they could be better at certain times in one's lives than at other times. So it's a dynamic relationship. It, mm-hmm. it, it isn't always the same. Um, well, like when I was going through everything with Kevin when I was about 16, I think it's a miracle that neither you or dad murdered me and buried me in the yard. No, come on. Well, you I were, was pretty terrible. You weren't terrible. You were you were devastated. And so were we. Yeah, but I, I lashed out a lot. I became I became that as but not necessarily immediately after, but in the aftermath, in the few years afterwards, I became really difficult. And I remember that, dad really losing his temper with me a few times. And I remember you really losing your temper with absolutely. me a few times. And there were, you know, the empty threats of, well, if you don't like living here, then you can just move out. And from both of you. But that could have been because you were a teenager. Uh, independent of the trauma that you suffered. I feel like it was one compounded by the other. You think that you, you, you played it? Like you, did you, were you an angry teenager and because of the trauma that befell upon you, you were, you were milking it? No, no, I don't think I was milking it. I think it was a natural one compounded the other. Okay. I think, but so I I guess for context, because I'm I'm saying names and I'm 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 talking about a, a, a moment of trauma that I don't think I've ever discussed on the show. When I was 16 years old, my first serious boyfriend, the first person I ever loved, committed suicide. Uh, he was about a year older than me, and it was and he lived in another town, so I didn't go to school with him or anything. And it was it was traumatic. It was traumatic. It was a terrible terrible situation mm-hmm. for for you. Oh, yeah. For his family. Oh, yeah. It was a terrible situation for for me, for your father, for all of us who knew him because he was a wonderful boy. Oh, yeah. You, he really was. You guys loved him in your own way. You Absolutely definitely did. did. You, you, thought yeah. he was good for, you, you thought he was good for me. You thought he was a sweetheart on his own accord. There was nothing about him he that was would... Very, he was smart, accomplished, mm-hmm. lovely, lovely boy. Very. Yeah. Very. And, and it was, and it was, you know, you're having to watch parents grieve for, you know, and bury their child. And on top of that, you're thinking about me and the pain that I was going through and all of these things. But I became very angry afterwards because I was angry with him and I was angry with myself and I felt, why couldn't I have prevented this? And all of, all of the things that go through a suicide survivor's mind, right? Are these, these, these questions of what could I have? But you were so young. I was way too young. You were way too young to, to comprehend that this wasn't about you. No, it wasn't. And he even wrote in one of his journals that his parents found, you know, fishy, it wasn't your fault. And it, you know, but at that age, you can't see one, your brain is literally not able to process information in such a way that it can grab, grab, grapple with the idea that today is not forever. So your brain as a teenager actually makes it, it, that's one of the reasons why teen suicide is such a problem because your brain is wired in such a way at that age that the, the brief moments of trauma feel like eternity. That's right. Your, your brain is, is wired in such a way that it processes that over a longer, as if it were a longer period of time. And it feels as if it's indefinite. Um, so that for one, um, but I, I was angry with the situation. I was angry with myself. I was grieving. I went through a lot of bullshit at school after the fact Mm -hmm. because of people who weren't able to understand the situation and became petty and manipulative and deliberately hurtful, uh, which compounded that on top of everything else. So I was alone. How how do you end up hanging out with, with toxic people? 
I don't know, but for a long time I felt like you a did. magnet. Yeah. I, I think it's also teenagers are generally just shitheads. Okay. <laughs> for the most right. part. I'll it's, buy that. It's the time in your life where it's where you're most capable of being a dick and not necessarily understanding the full ramifications of why. Like you don't have the the wealth of experience of adulthood to teach you that there are restraint. consequences to teach you restraint, yes. to teach you respect, yes. to teach you empathy and sympathy and compassion. Yeah. Those are those are learned things, right? As teenagers, yes. we don't we, you don't have those naturally. You learn them. Yep. And most teenagers don't learn those until later in life, yeah. you know? So yeah. I was mistreated by those who hadn't yet learned those things. Mm-hmm. And so I think on top of the natural rebellion that comes with teenage dumb, I was dealing with feelings of loss that I couldn't quite wrap my head around, which means that, and typically if you're not one of the most common reactions to not being able to process traumatic emotional experiences is anger. Yes. You, because it because it is frustrating. So instead of channeling the frustration and trying to dissect it and get it, you just it's easier to just become angry. Yes. And so you do. So that anger compounds on top of the general angst and anger and frustration and turmoil of teenage la, la, life. La, yeah, of teenage of being a teenager. Mm-hmm. So I think all of that compounded, and I definitely know that I you know there were times when you had to come and pick me up from some shitty dank. I remember the times I'd call you and be like, can you come and pick me up? Cause I'm in the middle of this. I'm, I'm at party. this guy's. Yeah. I'm at a party and I'm at this, this guy's house and you know, it's late and I need to get home and they are too drunk to drive me home. And it was like 3am. And I remember the one time and you went to the wrong house cause I didn't give you the right address. Like I gave you the right number, but there was a, like, it was a, you know, one, two, three Smith street East and one, two, three Smith, three Smith street West. And I didn't specify. And you went to the West instead of the East and knocked on some other person's door at like two o'clock in the morning and woke them up and it, and you were so pissed at me. And I, and I remember us fighting when I got home. I do Mm. when we got home, because you had to come and pick me up and I was still like, well, what's the big deal is F you and F this and And I have a right to do what I want. And you were ready to throttle me. Like, you must remember those times. For sure. And that was, that's, you know. I don't see them now in, in retrospect. I don't see them as terrible times, particularly. Like, maybe I, because it was it was a stressful time on so many levels mm-hmm. that those things probably kind of fall down the... The, the, the rabbit the, hole? The rabbit hole. The, the, the list of, of grievances, like, doesn't really register too much. Because... Mm-hmm. Other stuff was going on. Yeah. And so. that was and that was I think a difficult time for we weren't we were friends but we weren't really friends. It was very much I think It was a transition. Yeah. And I think if you were to ask most mothers of teenage girls, it's a tough time. <laughs> Leaving all other variables aside, it's a tough time. Uh, I'm reminded of there's this really funny scene in an episode of uh, I think I've told you about it, Big Mouth, that's on Netflix. Which is it's it's a it's a show for adults, but it's a cartoon about oh. kids going through puberty. Yes, and when the girl starts going through puberty and she gets really angry and starts lashing out at her mother and like her 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 hormone monster starts telling her to call her mother by her first name and to be really resentful and, and shitty. Uh, it's it's really funny the way they play it out, but 
Anyways, I digress. Again. Get rid! Hey! Listen to me! You wanna shoplift lipstick? You wanna listen to Lana Del Rey on repeat while you cut up all your t-shirts? You wanna scream at your mother and then laugh at her tears? But I don't wanna scream at my mom. She's not your mom anymore. From now on, you call her Shayla. You're very beautiful. I know. Why do you smell so good? Because I don't use deodorant and I only take bubble baths. Everything okay in here, sweetie? Get the hell out, Shannon! Your hair looks nice. I said get out! Beautifully done, my little Yoza. These are going to be the greatest years of your life. Now let's fling ourselves onto the bed and cry so hard no sound comes out. But the way now, in as I am 30 and no longer a child, and I think we have a very good friendship. I agree. That is... I agree. Very natural. And yes. Like, we've I never had to force anything. I enjoy spending time with you. It doesn't have to be forced. And no. we can talk about important things and we can talk about frivolous things and everything in between. And while I don't always get all your movie references, <laughs> I do get some. You know, I'm pretty it. good. She speaks me. in tongues. You, you've told me so many times. I speak a different language. You do. You get some of them. When I, I make do. references to movies that you know, if yes. we're going to have a Sound of Music sing-along, you get it. If, uh, you know, totally. I'm going to yes. say there's too much pepper on my paprika, you I understand. I do, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. I have decided that for the rest of the day, we are going to talk like this. Like this? No. Please, to repeat after me. Pepper. 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 Waiter, there is too much pepper on my paprikash. <laughs> Waiter, there is too, too much, much pepper, pepper on my paprikash. On my paprikash. But I would be proud to partake of your pecan pie. <laughs> oh, no. But I would but... be proud but I would be proud to partake, to partake of your pecan pie. Of your pecan pie. Pecan pie. Pecan pie. Pecan pie. And I'm very proud of myself for getting it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever felt uh, kind of... Has there ever been a moment in our, li in our life, in our, our lives, in our relationship, where you felt like we weren't friends or like there was work that needed to be done there or like there was something that you weren't getting from me in the way that Ida feels kind of left out from Rhoda's life. I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking. I would say no, not not from you to me. Mm -hmm. I I tend to be the more, you know, the bossy controlling one and I kind of feel like when you're upset or when you're unhappy or when you're frustrated with some aspect of your life I want to be able to help you mm. um, I recognize also that as much as you and I get along our personalities are very different yeah they are we are you are less more... so now than when I was younger but yes I'll get to that yes. in a minute <laughs> you are um, you are more emotional I'm more rational 
I tend to analyze things to death. Not that you don't, because you oh, do I as do. well. Oh, um, I do. I have been asked expressly by my by my partner in life and crime to psychoanalyze things a little bit less, oh. which I can't quite say I disagree with. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so but I enough. think on that we are evenly matched. Okay. I, sometimes I feel like I want to help you get through some difficult times and, and I have to hold myself back to say, this is maybe not necessarily my place at this point in time mm. for this particular issue for you. Because you're an adult and because you have to work through this yourself or with your partner or with your boss or with whoever. Mm-hmm. I can give you an opinion, but I don't necessarily expect my advice to be um, sought or heeded necessarily. Mm-hmm. You can, but but I'm... And you're not going to take offense if I don't take Absolutely your advice not. or heed no. your warnings no. or any of it. I, I tend to recognize that I need to take a step back and let you be the adult that you are. Mm-hmm. And I can't, you know, it's like Rhoda's mother, Ida, worrying about Rhoda coming home late from her date. <laughs> it's like, well, as a mother, I would worry. But as a friend, I'm not worried. But she really is. Well, exactly. Yeah. Because you can't change that. No. It's how you, it's it's learning how to deal with it, I think. Yes. It's learning how to deal with the discomfort of not knowing mm-hmm. and, and um, trusting that your adult daughter does the sensible thing, mm-hmm. whatever that may be in yeah. the circumstances. I have to say that is something that I've always really appreciated you for because there were there were moments when I had first moved out and I was in my 20s and and money was tight and I was bad with the money that was tight and yes. I got into some financial trouble and 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 you were you were are continue to be probably forever will be helpful and and understanding but there were also moments where you were too frustrated with my sheer stupidity or lack of knowledge on how to deal with the situation to allow understanding and compassion to play forward where you put on your mom hat and you reprimanded me yep and and that was necessary Right. And it's, I guess that's kind of the thing here, it's right? It's the fine that, balance. Well, yeah. I think maybe less so now that I am 30 years old, I'm starting to get into, I guess, I guess real adulthood, whatever the hell that means. I don't know when that starts. I don't know. I, yeah. guess, I guess I'll know when I have kids. Isn't that what they say? <laughs> you're, not, you're not really an adult until, until, you've, you until you've squeezed out a small human. But I, you know... There are times when you have to put on the mom hat. And, and there are times when you can be the friend. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and if you want to be the friend all the time, then you're not doing your job as the oh. mother. And obviously it depends on the age. And there there is there, there comes a time, and probably 30 is a good cutoff age, where you have to not wear your mom hat quite so much. Mm-hmm. Because if you are... If you're forever bailing your 30-year-old child or uh, sort of uh, taking over in difficult situations, then you have to let them fail. You have to let them, you know, really kind of get themselves in trouble. And And bail themselves out. And bail themselves out. That's how you learn to be an adult. I don't like it. Too bad. That's the way it is. It's funny because we, we were talking about, and I guess this is, you know, an area to wrap up, but 
because we were talking about when I was a teenager and I was angry and all of this stuff was happening. And I think one of the big things that I was also so angry about was that I felt like my adolescence had been robbed of me. Yes. And I no longer felt like my age and I no longer felt like I could communicate with people my age and that nobody really understood me because, because I'd been through this. Because you had this huge tragedy. Yeah. Yes. And it wasn't until I went to university that I felt like, well, no, even in university I felt too old. I felt like I was older than everybody else. And I was by like a year because I'd taken a year off to go and work. But like I felt like I was older than everybody else. Right. It wasn't until my like mid to late 20s that I actually started to feel like a child. <laughs> I start, and I still now more than ever, I think I feel like a huge child. I feel like I'm so unprepared for what adulthood really means. And I'm closer than ever to adulthood. Like, I'm 30 years old. By this age, you had a child. In two years' time, you would have another on the way. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's and I'm kind of like, I got, I got nothing. I feel it's, it's well, strange. you nothing. You no. Make, everything is a choice. And yeah. sometimes the choices are foisted upon you. But for the most part, it's choices that you make. Yeah. And this life that you have, and it's not nothing. No. Is a choice. And I think it's a choice you're pretty happy with. I am. It's yeah. very easy to look at. It's 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 so easy to look at the not things and the not life choices. Right. Next to the life choices and the things and say, well, because I don't have those things. Because, because you don't I have a mortgage and a child? Yes. Because I don't have a car. Because I don't have, you know... If, I don't know, a 401k, whatever the hell that is. That's not, that's American. Okay. We, don't, we don't have those. Cool. That's good. But <laughs> because, it's an RRSP. Okay. I have one of those. Yes, you do. You see? <laughs> I am. You're an adult. Okay. 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 But I guess it's kind of that idea of because I don't have those things, I'm somehow not there. But adulthood looks like a million different things. It's just not. That's the, right. This just isn't the prime. My adulthood isn't the prime time adulthood. It's not. It's not. What size does not fit all. No. You know, um, you guys, you and Bob are unique. I mean, I can say Aww. that everyone is unique, but you have a very unique lifestyle. You mm. do things. You're both extremely creative and you are willing to put all your energies into your creative endeavors. Uh, while still being able to pay the rent and put food on the table. Mm -hmm. Those are all choices. Yeah. You could turn around and say, you know what, this is shit. I'm going to give all this up. I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to get a master's and I'm going to work at a regular day job. And that would be a choice. You've chosen not to do that and that's fine. And And this is your life. Yeah. Yeah. And man, life's tough. Life's tough. Life's tough. But it's good. It's good. And it's especially good when you have such a great mother to help you along. Well, thank you, my darling. Well, thank you. Pleasure, <laughs> to Pleasure doing business with you. Absolutely. But that is that is it for this week. And thank you for tuning in for our multiple digressions. I know. And our, it, was, our, it was a mostly digressive uh, episode. It was hugely digressive. If you want to know what the gist of the episode is, just go and watch it. Well, yeah. Which apparently you can if you have out TV. Apparently the Mary out Tyler Moore TV. show. Yeah. Wow. We just got cable uh, for the first time, like digital cable for the first time in, I don't even, I haven't had cable since. Since you moved out. Yeah. Like before university. Like, I right. think I had cable in like third and fourth year because it already existed uh, in the house that I was living house. in. But like 
that was just a thing. But yeah, so for everybody who's like, oh, I can't find the Mary Tyler Moore show, I don't know. If you have digital cable, and especially if you're through Rogers, you can get that you can watch reruns of the Mary Tyler Moore show on Out TV, which also has RuPaul's Drag Race. So if you're into that, it might be worth your while. That's awesome. Yeah. So is Out TV something that you buy? Is it like Netflix, like a flat rate kind of thing, like a streaming service? No, it is uh, a. It's like pay-per-view. It, it's no. It's oh. I, I. I don't really know how the television works these days. I'm still. I'm newly <laughs> back to it. <laughs> But I guess you it's plug like, it in, you turn it on. Well, no, because it's because we used to just have you know yeah. you had cable, so right. you flipped through whatever channels, and right. more channels were available, and maybe you had like thirty or forty or fifty channels, and that was just what what came with your basic cable package. That's right. So our basic cable package has like ten channels, and then you can get other packages that have other cable networks and channels, other specialty like channels. like special yeah, but they're right. all specialty channels now. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. So this is one of those specialty channels. So it would be something that you would add on either as a as a one off, which adds an extra monthly cost to your I think it's, well, okay. bill. I don't know what it's like. Or I know, with, I know it's or it's part of a bundle, right? Because I, I think you can choose individual channels, or it has to, to be now. something like that. Well, or it has to be a bundle. I don't know. Okay, I don't know. Okay, I can't remember. Next week we have episode six, Cover Boy. Ted receives a visit from his super competitive brother, a male model, which is. Uh, that's going to be interesting. Yes, it is. That's some interesting stuff. But in the meantime, if you haven't yet, you should head over to iTunes, where you can rate and review the show. Hit subscribe. Every little bit helps. Uh, you can also find us on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at... Afri- I almost said a friend part. That's the other podcast. Um, I do that on that show, too. Uh, at After All Podcast, or you can send us an email to afterallpodcast at gmail.com if you want to reach out, touch base. We'd love to hear from you. So let us know. And until next time. <laughs> <laughs>